Welcome to another edition of the Royal Alliance UK podcast, sponsored by Buzz and Sounds Recording Studio. My name's Matthew Turner. Thank you so much for joining us. This is part two of episode 48, Return of the Back. We just talked to Marek Larwood, what a terrific guest he was, but now we're going to talk pro days. I'm going to hand over to Ant to take us through it. move on to pro days and i'm going to hand over to Ant and ryan mccluskey to take us through it oh i don't know i'm doing now i've had maricon i've been laughing that much where are we <laughs> <laughs> um yeah right so basically now we're going to have um a little look through you're going to do a pro day section of the show now so basically what we've we're in the middle of sort of pro day season now where um college athletes are going through all the trials teams are going to see them so we've been keeping a little eye on what's going on so um yeah i'll start off just for any of our british listeners if you're not really acutely aware of what pro days are yet basically what it is it's a one-day workout that is conducted at the colleges of potential draft prospects and this allows nfl scouts management to go you know, go and scout the prospects, fill any holes they might have in the evaluation of these players. And um, because of COVID, given that there's no combine this year, that's usually the big four-day event they have where they do all these. These pro days have taken on really important um, part of the scouting process because this is one of the only chances that teams are going to have to talk to players. So generally what these players will do, they'll go through a set of measurable drills, uh, the 40-yard dash, the 20-yard shuttle, the three-cone, vertical jumps, long jumps, you know, all the uh, all the sort of more popular ones you see the stats coming up for online. And then after that, players will go do individual drills for their specific positional groups. Um, teams, NFL teams are allowed to take three staff members there to go see them. So the teams may send certain coaches to go and do positional uh, group drills with these guys and they can also request interviews with any of the players they're really interested in um as of now the 23rd of march about 55 of these pro days have uh, been conducted so far and as part of this i've been trying very hard literally pouring through hundreds of articles on twitter google trying to keep up to date with the detroit lions participation um in these days to try and see who they might be having a look at in the upcoming draft maybe give us a little peek into what they're doing so you know we get nothing but the best of investigative journalism here for you because it has been bloody difficult to try and find anything that they've been doing. We just seem to be one team who doesn't report a great deal there. So what I've done, I've done a list of pro days and noticeable, uh, notable players at these days. 
um, to give you, the listeners, a list of players who we might potentially be looking at so you can maybe go watch some tape on them, see what we're getting, you know, choose, you know, find players that you might fall in love with and want to put in your mock drafts. I've only included the days where we've seen definitive proof of the lines that they've had personnel there. They may well have been to more, but we just want to go with the places that they know they've been. So you're definitely watching tape on guys who we have been looking at. So altogether, we've had... 19 pro days that the Lions have been spotted at so far. So I'll just go through those now and some of the players there. So on the 9th of March, the Lions were spotted at Wisconsin Whitewater, and that will have been to look at offensive guard Quinn Miners, who you're going to hear a little bit about later on. And they were also at Northwestern. And the two big players there, you've got the offensive tackle, Rashawn Slater, and cornerback Greg Newsom, both of whom are projected first-round picks. On the 10th of March, the Lions were spotted at Marshall Athletics. Now, they are quite a small school with a lot of late-round prospects that you might be looking at in the draft there, but we don't currently have any 6th or 7th-round picks currently. But the guys you'll be looking at there primarily are offensive tackle Josh Ball and running back Brendan Knox. Um, on, the 11th, on the 11th of March... The Lions were spotted at Clemson, but so was pretty much every team there. You've got Travis Etienne, the running back. You've got the wide receiver duo of Amari Rogers and Cornell Powell. And you've also got the offensive lineman, Jackson Carmen. And the same day, they were also at Texas. You've got a few more big players. They've got the edge, Joseph Osai. The offensive tackle, Samuel Cosme. Uh, you've got safeties, Caden Stearns and Chris Brown. And if you're looking at developmental quarterbacks, you've also got Sam Erlinger there. Um, on the 12th of March, the big one, North Dakota State. Everybody's favorite person in the world at the minute, Trey Lance. Everybody went down there to see him, including our head coach and our GM. It's one of only two days they've been to that I can find so far. And also you've got offensive tackle Dylan Radunce there, who's projected on the uh, start of the second round, maybe the end of the first as well. And on the same day on the 12th, they were also at Oklahoma. There you've got the center Creed Humphrey, running back Ramondre Stevenson, edge Ronnie Perkins, and a pair of cornerbacks in Trey Brown and Trey Norwood. On the flip side of the weekend, on the 16th, the Lions were spotted at Georgia Tech. There, there is a wide receiver by the name of Jalen Camp and a punter by the name of Presley Harvin III, although not sure punter will be high up on our list of uh, buys this year. Um, 17th of March, uh, the Lions were at Arizona to look at cornerback Lorenzo Burns, and they were also at Georgia. There's quite a few enticing prospects here. You've got the edge, Aziz Ojolari, the cornerback Eric Stokes Jr., uh, the cornerback Tyson Campbell, tight end Trey McKitty and offensive guard Ben Cleveland. On the 18th of March, there was another three days they went to. They went to Auburn, so you've got a pair of interesting wide receivers in Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz there, some late-round prospects. Safety, Jamie and Sherwood, and cornerback Christian Tutt. They were also at Central Arkansas to look over cornerback Robert Rochelle, who I know we're going to hear a bit about from Ryan later. They were specifically there to scout him. And they were also at Louisiana Tech um, looking at defensive tackle Milton Williams, who they were definitely there to see. And there was also running back Justin Anderson and wide receiver Adrian Hardy on show as well. On the 19th of March, they were at Memphis. Uh, you've got the running back Kenneth Gainwell there, the wide receiver DeMonte Coxey. 
kicker Riley Patterson and quarterback Brady White. Again, a lot of interesting late round picks maybe that they're having a look there. And then big one for our second round draft, uh, TCU. So there you've got the safeties, Trevon Morig and Ardarius Washington, who are both projected to go quite high in the draft. You've also got linebacker Garrett Wallow and tight end Pro Wells. That's his actual name, Pro Wells. Um, then on 22nd of March, we got, this, this was yesterday, I've uh, been having a look through today. They were at Florida State, got the edge, Joshua Kindo, the safety, Hamza Nazil, Nazirilidine, defensive tackle, Marvin Wilson, and cornerback, Asante Samuel Jr., who the Lions have been watching very, very closely, so maybe not be surprised to see him there. They were also at Missouri, looking at safeties, Joshua Bledsoe, Tariq Gillespie, running back, Larry Roundtree, linebacker, Nick Bolton, who I've seen in a few Lions mock drafts and defensive tackles, and offensive tackle, Larry Bloom, and finally at Toledo, a couple of running back prospects there, Shakif Seymour and Jaquan Hardy. And today, all we've been able to find so far, everybody was at Alabama. You've got Matt Jones there, who's an intriguing prospect, you know, fifth quarterback in the draft. May he go to the Lions? He may do, he may not. And then you've got running back Najee Harris, Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle, the wide receivers, both of whom get a lot of love from Lions fans, and defensive tackle Christian Barmore. So they're all the days that the Lions have been spotted at so far. There's plenty of names there to maybe go and have a look at. I'll quickly open it to the floor. Is there anything that stands out to anybody there? I know there's a lot of cornerbacks, a lot of safeties, a lot of receivers. Is that maybe what we're expecting going into this draft? These are the positions we may be targeting. Uh, I did watch the North Dakota start pro day. And well, primarily, like you say, everyone's favourite, Trey Lance. Now, he he had a very successful day, in my opinion. But it's easy to say that about a quarterback who's throwing to some NFL receivers. They do get help sometimes from the pro receivers, which can make them look better. And with no defenders on show, it is really showing how well they can roll out and show, uh, throw on the move normally. Now, that is where we're going to see the best of Trey Lance on the move, where he's rolling out to his left or right or he's on the scramble. He did make some, he made some lovely throws, in my opinion. So I believe that that solidified his stock. Now, in my opinion, pro days are not for people like him. Therefore, the lesser names that you know less about, that's where you can really bump up your draft stock. Yeah, it's it's one thing to be throwing against no coverage and under no pressure. And, you know, that pro day didn't really solve any questions with Trey Lance for me. It's, it's still the question of the competition he's faced in the past, the lack of games he's had. I don't think anyone's doubting the tools that he's got there. But it's interesting that the two days I've found so far that Campbell and Holmes specifically have been to, one was obviously Trey Lance and the other today at Alabama. And Matt Jones is there. I know they said that they like to do their due diligence on their quarterbacks. And it seems that they have... Um, it seems that they followed through on that there. Uh, Matt, anything that sort of stands out to you, maybe where they've been, players, they're, uh, they're the type of player they're looking at? You mentioned Bama and the fact that they were both there. Najee Harris, I know we don't need to take a running back, but I figure that he's got to be in the consideration if we have a trade-down scenario. Um if we do go wide receiver at pick seven, then Smith and Waddle are going to be in the conversation. I know they didn't actually 
participate in the practice today, but, you know, doing their due diligence and, and being there when they're there at the same time. Barmore, obviously, is the best defensive tackle prospect in the draft, probably likely to go round one. So maybe we don't take him unless we trade down, but we could well do that. You were talking about cornerbacks and there's two that stand out. Greg Newsom didn't have a fantastic day, but he didn't do his stock any harm at Northwestern. And the the Georgia pro day, Eric Stokes had a terrific day as well. So yeah, there's a, there's a couple in there that, that do stand out and, and that we, I really hope they go for, but a few guys, um, at the lower end of the spectrum really stood out to me too. I know we weren't at the Illinois Pro Day, but Josh Imitor, baby, was incredible. That vertical leap of 46 and a half was insane. Uh, you said we were at the Georgia Tech um, Pro Day and, and Jalen Camp was amazing. 30 on the bench is a record for a wide receiver by three. So that's that's something. He's a, a six foot two wide receiver, 226 pounds, 90th percentile in the vert. And obviously that, um, that bench is incredible, but he runs a 4.43.40 as well at that height. And at that weight, I mean, it's like there's, there's a few guys uh, kind of low down in, in where they might be drafted on the, on the consensus board right now that have had some pretty good days. Yeah. I think that was one of the things I've picked up so far. And, Days I've reeled off so far, these are the only ones I've been able to find the lines. So we may well have been at others, but at the minute we're just trying to work off where they have because no one seems to want to report on where they've been. But one of the themes, like you've just mentioned there, wide receivers late on. I mean, you have the pair at Oban, Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz. They're both- Schwartz, 426, 40. Oh, my God. Tell me about it. There seems to be a theme that we are... Going after, we are looking at a lot of these late wide receivers. Um, this the second guy at Clemson who I'm going to talk about shortly there. But so yeah, we've we've been through where the lines are at. We've been through some of the players we're maybe looking at. So what I did next is myself and Ryan have picked out five prospects apiece. These might just be in general who we're looking at, who we might like to see on the lines there. We can go through what we think about them and then open them up to the panel. So I'm aware I've been talking for a little while now, Ryan. So I don't know if you want to kick off with one of yours. Let let us know a little bit about the prospects and uh, what you like so much about them. Yeah, I'll start. Uh, I'd like to start by saying that although these percentiles and these numbers look brilliant, I think a lot of people over the years have taken these at face value. should always take pro days and combines with a pinch of salt because odd players like, to name two, John Ross and Byron Jones, they were drafted too high because they had such good pro days. So any of these numbers, they do, they can help you draft stock, but also they can sometimes mislead. But I have taken into account some of the factors and positions we need. And the first player I I really like to look over at a smaller school is Jonathan Adams Jr. It's a wide receiver from Arkansas State. Now he has put together quite an impressive college resume. In 2020 and 2019, almost 2,000 yards and 17 touchdowns. So he had a breakout year in 2020 where a lot of players and schools have struggled with COVID. He has managed to find that window. He was a senior. He is one meter 90, so he's well built. And he's recently had quite an impressive pro day, in my opinion. 
I'll just find his stats. Let's call these. I agree. I put something up on Twitter about him as well. I saw some some of the highlights from his day, and he's, he's so he ran. He ran a roughly a four forty four. So he is someone that has he has got that speed that's required. Just also with that size and ability to be strong to play on the outside, which I think is something that is really important. He also put up vertical jump of 39 inches and he had a broad jump of 11. And I believe that that's feet. So that shows he has got some explosion from a standing start, which I think for a wide receiver is very important, getting off the line. That shows me how well you can release. So I think he put together and did himself a world of favour. Now he's showing to be going in the fifth or the sixth round. Now I think that's a bit of discredit to him. But for the Lions, that is that could be perfect. If we got him in the late fourth, early fifth, I think he's a body that would I'd like to bring in. Matt, have you? Um, I know you've been looking at the receivers there. Have you, have you seen anything of Adams at all? He's one that's actually passed me by. He's someone I've listed on on my doc as someone who had a, a really good pro day. You know, like all of the vital statistics in that top band of the percentiles, but. Like Ryan says, you've got to kind of take these along with the tape that he's put up at college. And if he had a breakout year, I, I, I'm assuming that Arkansas State is a, a lesser college. Um, yeah. So, you know, minor college, good stats and a good pro day means maybe your stock increases. But I, I'm not sure I see him making day two, but he could be good value on day three. Would he be someone who, if he's on the board, maybe late day two, you'd certainly be having a look at? Or are there other receivers back there that you'd prefer over him? I think I, he's yeah. I think he's Jalen Dad and material. And I think he's that round four, round five kind of flyer. Yeah, I think it's a great year to have a light receiving core, I think, because there's just that many options through the draft, you know, you can go first or like you say, go to fourth or fifth and still find guys there who are going to contribute. But yeah, he, he's, he's definitely one who's been been on my radar as well. I'll, um, I'll switch over to one of my guys now and we'll do it that way. So the first guy who's really come to my attention and he did so a little while ago, and I know you guys will have heard of him as well, is um, Quinn Miners. I mentioned him earlier on. He's the offensive guard from Wisconsin Whitewater, who is projected to go somewhere in the fourth round. Now, his pro day, he absolutely, he, the guy was on fire. He's, his 40 was timed at 4.86 seconds. Now, bear in mind, the par for an offensive guard is 5.37. So the guy ran nearly a full half second faster than what guards do at his pro days. His 10-yard split was only 1.73 seconds. He got a short shuttle of 4.47 seconds, and his three-cone was only 7.33. These are really impressive stats for a guard. But the one thing that drew me to him a lot, I saw an amazing interview that they did with him on NFL.com, which talked about his college career, and he had a really bad problem with weight issues when he was in college he talked about how he had a massive belly and it used to do him well to start with but then it became a hindrance and if he didn't do anything about it that it was going to derail his career entirely and the way that he sort of dealt with that and came through it shows the sort of character you want to see in your players coming through but I mean it's not just character you want to you want to see them 
perform the goods as well. And he's a really strong guard. He's a guy who can bowl over defensive tackles, defensive ends trying to get in there. And, you know, just with his raw strength, there are issues he has to work with because he's that strong. Sometimes he has to work, you know, on his um, on his balance, on his, you know, because he just is a guy who likes to throw it in there. But he's got all the tools that you need to produce a really good guard. I mean, he's a left guard by trade, but he's a guy who you'll be able to train maybe at right guard where we need him as well whilst getting the technical flaws out of his game but he ended up having quite a successful college career and I don't know if you ever saw his workouts where he's carrying around gas canisters and running upstairs and that one these like industrial sized things that are huge they became quite a viral hit there but we need a guard and I like the guy I like his personality I like the effort he's put in to get where he is and I think in the fourth round he provides good value there. Did, did anyone see the workout tapes of him? And, um, you know, what did you think of those? I think it looked quite good. If I remember rightly, Quinn Miners was at the senior ball. I'm pretty sure he played there as well. And I did watch that game, I think. And he he looked good. He he looks, he's another one of them players, I'm sure they say he's got a bit of a, a mean streak to him. They hope he can be a bit nasty, have a chip on his shoulder being D3. I, I think he repped pretty well with, like, say, FBS starters. So he was certainly able to hold his ground even in the senior bowl. So workout-wise, he looks like a brute. He looks like the kind of guy that loves working out, cutting down trees. He just looks a bit like a lumberjack. You know what you're kind of going to get with him. And <laughs> I like that about him. I mean, the thing is, the thing that I look for in a guard is is the ability to chef, uh, shift left and right. You know, if you can get to the second level and block, that's great. But being able to kind of protect your tackle and protect your centre at the guard position is so important. And the fact that his three cone was in the 97th percentile and his short shuttle was in the 93rd percentile, this guy over a short distance is exceedingly fast. And the weight's an issue. The weight's a worry and it's always going to be. He's a guy that you draft and you want to kind of give him an assistant who's going to keep an eye on him and keep him motivated. But if you can do that, I think this is someone that we hope Stenberg would be last year. Yeah. Like, I I, I feel that this is someone who's going to come in, and if you look after him, he's going to perform well above expectation for you. All of those vital statistics that were mentioned, apart from his height, his height at 6'3 is an issue at guard, which is a little small. But apart from that, the 40s are 99th percentile, the short shuttle 93rd, three cone 97th, the broad jump 90th, and the vertical 90th percentile. That is elite. Like, sometimes, you know, you say take pro days with a pinch of salt, but if you're in the top 10% on all of those things, you've got it. You've got it somewhere. And I think that's it. If I mean, if you're looking at our draft priorities as well, you're I mean, unless you're going for a tackle, maybe guard's not that out of the list. So if you're going in the fourth with him, he's going to provide great value for what you get there. I think he's a Dan Campbell guy. That guy is going to come in, give everything he's got. He's got a history of doing so, and he's got the personality to go to go with it. So, yeah, he's. I know he's very popular as well at the minute. So project a fourth, he may go a little higher, but hopefully maybe on a great day, he might slip to us there. Um, Ryan, who's next on your on your list that you've been looking at? It is a player you've actually already mentioned, and it is the, uh, we'll call him a cornerback, Robert Rochelle from the Central Arkansas Bears of the FCS. Now, I say cornerback loosely because he's listed at over six foot two, 
which means for me he could be a safety at the next level or even the nickel. I don't think he will be limited to play on the outside. He has a standout career. I like FCS players because I feel like they just come with a chip on the shoulder. Now his career, 70-plus tackles, 10 interceptions and 25 career pass breakups with multiple fumbles. So he leans to me, he's more of a, he's more of a ball hawk. He wants his hands on the ball and to be around it, which for me, I'd like to see him work out at safety. Now, speaking of Byron Jones as well, he was another one who had to blow up his pro day and Robert put up some huge numbers. He shifted, he put in a 439.40, a 43-inch vertical and a 6.83 cone drill. So they're, they're predicting a mid-rounder, but if you ask ESPN's Jim Nagy, He's saying he won't be available on day three. So he clearly thinks someone is going to possibly reach for him. Now, I'd say secondary is a need for the Lions. I think this could be someone that we try at safety or we could put in the nickel, but he's a bit big for the inside. But I think this is a player that is no longer a secret. A lot of people know about him. And although the team isn't big, the name isn't big, I think he is going to be someone to watch and he will certainly be drafted between three and four I'd say I think the one thing that stood out for me with this guy um, when I was checking on the days out I think he was the only guy at this school who was really on radar for the draft and there were 22 teams there to see him now if one guy is pulled from a small school is pulling in that many teams to come and see him I think you know this is a guy who's got a lot of innate ability who's quite special and like you say he might be able to move it up to safety at the next level I mean secondary is a big a big concern for us and somewhere that we're going to have to draft to the Lions point of view is these maybe the guys we want to go for would, would you be happy going with him at his draft position or would you maybe want to be investing a little higher in maybe I someone a little me, I want, rounded. Yeah. I want to go a little higher. I want to be taking a safety at the end of the second, start of the third. And he is he's a project, he's developmental. You can't we kinda need someone that's gonna uh, is gonna step in on day one. I don't think he's that player, but someone may take a punt on him in a few years. It could uh, it could emerge as someone like the next I think corner. Maybe the next it could be the next Logan Ryan. Like say is that cornerback safety hybrid. Aaron, we've been going through a few guys on here, looking at the late round prospects for receivers, corners. Are these guys, you know, if you're looking late in the draft, would you be happy going receiver? Would you be happy maybe going secondary, landing on some of these guys who were more prospects and not fully rounded, or would you rather us be going a little higher for them? Um for me. Where I want to see us going high or, or later on in the draft, I want to see us going for some of the positions that, you know, I, I've spoke a bit about Brady Christensen in the later rounds. Am I, I'm really sorry, by the way, I will edit this a little bit out. I have just missed the last couple of minutes. I've had to go downstairs and chat to my mum. Are we on just general later rounds or are we on like late second, early? Late no, we're first? not. We're- We've, 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 we're picking prospects out and going around. There's no thing to it. We've got five each and we're discussing them. So. Yeah. yeah, so um, for me, in, in the later rounds where we've got those picks, I want to be looking at things like um, positions like our, our offensive line and that backup. So like I say, I've spoke a bit about Brady Christensen recently. 
and how I see someone like him who could fall to us in a really nice, quite late on position um, and may not get overlooked, but may just fall. There are a few around that general area inside like the fifth round, particularly of uh, offensive linemen who are really good depth options. And I see Brady Christensen as someone who can play all all positions on, on the offensive line, apart from centre, maybe. And you know, have have a relatively decent amount of success and would be a brilliant backup option in, in, in most of those positions. So I'd want to I want to see us going in the later rounds somewhere like that. If we're going wide receiver, look, I, I see us at the moment as look, take out take out, I guess, in a way how I felt initially about Galladay. Um at the end of the day if we have if we had him next year we would still be in that position where look i i i've said numerous times i didn't see him as a true wide receiver one but we do have a wide receiver one in Kenny Galladay at least for the position that we were in as a fran- we're in as a franchise um so wide receiver wouldn't be that detrimental a position but i still think right now we need to be picking a wide receiver one Somewhere early on, um, and a wide receiver one is a. I think I'd say is a position that we're, we're in a bit of need for, although it's not desperate need, because we do have a few, couple more options at wide receiver. I want to see us bring in a wide receiver one early on, and um, I want to see us bring in some of these positions that, like like we're talking about here, like your wide receiver, maybe your safeties as well in, in a couple of the earlier rounds, just because I think that's where we may need. <sighs> relatively instant starters or people to be good enough for a rebuild year to build them up and in uh, year two of their career or year three of their NFL career be solid starters um, whereas so so that that's where I think for me what I want to see us doing with these sort of picks um, like I say earlier on I know this is, this is kind of how drafts go anyway I'm not trying to be just just like quite a sit on the fence answer but i want these earlier positions to be addressing positions where we need starters yeah no that, that that's absolutely fair um matt have you seen anything of robert rochelle in your uh tape viewing so far i haven't got down that far but i'm just looking through some of the draft uh write-ups from pro football network and and the draft network and and what have you and uh the workout numbers that he had per Bruce Feltman relate on the the Raz score as a nine point nine nine. I mean, I don't need to know much to know that that's elite. But then you dig into what they say as well, and they talk about the fact that he's got really good intelligence on the field. He knows about route concepts and that sort of thing. So you mix that athleticism with a bit of something upstairs, and what he doesn't have, he can learn. I'm well on board to take someone like him in the fourth, if we can, if he falls that far. But if Ryan's right that he's going by the third, I'm not sure I'm willing to take a swing on him at that level, just because at least with the first third round pick, there are going to be a lot of wide receivers I want to take at that position. The comp pick that we've got from the Rams, maybe. Maybe I'm willing to chuck that at him, but there's a few D linemen I'd quite like at that sort of range too. So the problem in the draft is actually, I think this is a fairly deep draft at a lot of positions and late in the third round, there are some absolute steals. So, I mean, who do you pick? My God, who would be a GM 
do you want to pick this guy who's got tremendous upside or this guy's tremendous upside or any one of these five guys you could pick? Like actually managing to get down to the nitty gritty of what your team needs, what the ceiling is for some of these guys, what the floor is, where you are as a team and where you want to build, how long it's going to take for that person to translate to the NFL, the effect they're going to have on the locker room. It's, it's so much to take in for every single player. I can't fathom it. Yeah, I think the, the one thing I really like about this, and you touched on sort of who'd be a GM there, but the fact that we are at such a small school and we're looking at guys like this, guys who have bucket loads of potential there, when 10 teams passed up the opportunity to go, I think that's already showing Holmes's, you know, scouting background. He's He's got his finger on the pulse. He knows where the good players are and, you know, you say hopefully we may get a steal there if uh, if we go and we find a good guy like that but we'll um we'll move it on anyhow and we'll move it to a bit more of a renowned cornerback in this draft we can talk about my second guy i picked is as has been mentioned already eric stokes junior he is the cornerback from georgia and depending on where you believe because he's been shooting up boards he is currently a second round projection possibly a late first depending on you know if there's a team who needs a needy cornerback there and the reason i picked eric stokes junior out was because for the last few months anyone who's listened to me talk about the draft knows that i've had that position nailed for safety because there's that many great safeties to be had in this draft. But this is one guy who's come on my radar and has genuinely made me rethink that. I know, Corner, we've already got two young guys there. Do we need another one? But, I mean, you take a little look at this guy and there's a hell of a lot to like. You just take his pro day on its own. His 40 times were 425 and 428 for his 40s. And to put that into perspective, Henry Ruggs go fast last year, who was meant to be one of the most rapid guys out there. He only made a 427. He was he was quicker than that. Now, I know we don't go off the 40 for everything, but when you've got a corner who has that much pace in his locker and you just saw the run this 40, it's, he's a guy that you've got to take notice of. In his college career, you look at his stats last year, they're amazing. He was a lockdown corner against some really good receivers. He's got that elite speed that we have been lacking. He's got the size and he's got the play speed to start in the NFL right away. He's very physical. He battles his opponents all the way through the route. He's very good at tracking the ball in the air and he's good at reading the quarterback, which is something that I've said a lot about Richie Grant, the safety, you know, the ability to read the quarterback, see where he's going, get that little head start on plays is really good. And it gives him, you know, he's got a lot of interceptions from being able to diagnose these plays really early. And he's also effective when it comes to defending the run. He's a wrap-up tackler who's able to bring guys down. It's maybe not his strength, but it's still a good part of his game. The one big area he has to work on, he's, he's quite grabby on plays. He may be prone to giving away the odd penalty here and there, but again, as we mentioned when talking about Akuda earlier, it's a hard position to master, but these are things that you can get out your game. I'll, I'll start with you, Matt, for this one. You've you've been watching him along with me. What what do you like about Eric Sosa? You you as high on him as I am. I think I think we probably all are, but what are your thoughts really on him? So when I saw him on tape, my comments were that he's big and he's powerful, twitchy and aggressive. There's something electric about his play. But sometimes in coverage, he struggles to get his head around. I can see him being a pass interference machine. 
you sometimes slightly slow to react to especially double moves um, in the backfield. He's got good hits that flip well, but that's when he actually diagnoses what's happening in the first place. So he's got elite speed. Don't expect to be seeing him be over the top. But against some of those good route runners, someone like a Devontae Smith, I can see him being exposed. Um, I know that the there hasn't been an injury to... Is it Patrick Sertain? It's not Sertain, it's Caleb Fairley, isn't it? Fairley. Yeah. I think he's going to be the biggest person to benefit from that injury. I can see him shooting into the bottom of the first round now for sure. But I think that's overdrafting him. Physically, he's got it. But... There's just something about his play that's just slightly lacking for me. I, I can't quite put my finger on exactly what it is that he needs to change in order to get it. Maybe it isn't something that you can fix. I don't know. But someone's going to fall in love with that speed and overdraft him, I think. I think I think the thing that really took me about him is, you know, you look at what the Lions defense was lacking last year. Speed, you know, they're forever getting burned by receivers there. You want guys who can read the quarterback again. So many passes that were just going straight downfield, not getting diagnosed whatsoever. I think they're the aspects I quite like of his game and something we were really lacking. I think I agree with you. He's not a first-round pick for sure. But on second, I mean, I know I really love some of these safeties, but I think he's in consideration there. Ryan, have you seen much of him, Eric Stokes? What, what are your views on him? Uh, I like him. He's a bit like a cuda. I like him coming forward and going downhill. That's where his explosive and speed shows. But he doesn't always work the same way, flipping his hips, turning behind him. So I I like him. And he plays in a very tough division, but I don't know how high I'm willing to invest in him. Yeah, I think it's one of those. It's just, are we in the right position in the round? Maybe we're a bit too early in the second for him. Maybe if we're a bit... Yeah, he's gonna be, he might there. land right between our picks. Yeah, yeah, that's tender. Well, I'll move it on then. So your third guy. Oh, sorry, Aaron. Do you want to? So yeah, I just wanted to make a quick comment on Eric Stokes. Um, I think one of the things that helps his bl- his incredible speed is the fact that I believe he was a running back at high school and was recruited to Georgia. A technically as a running back, redshirted his first year and came in as a corner. I don't know whether that whether he changed that position through the first through being redshirted for the year in college, but I um, and during that period or whether that whether Georgia turned around and went, look, you're a good running back, but we've got an idea for you at corner. I don't know, um, and I think he was a he was a three star recruit as well, and I know that. There's a lot to be said about five-star recruits and just how quickly five-star recruits can fall off. But, you know, as a three-star recruit, I think he's seen uh, in college and someone who's changed. Again, it goes to prove that, yes, there are some questions around his game um, that can hopefully be supported and nurtured and, 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 be, and, and come good in the future. But that understanding, and I reckon that knowledge of the running game particularly will come to help um, when using that part of his game to stuff the run and being used as a corner to help stuff the run because he'll know kind of what's going through a running back's mind at the time and be really helpful with that. And then, you know, I think like you say, 
that's that speed is something that we've not particularly seen from Jeff Okuda this year. So that might be, you know, if you use them correctly, if Jeff Okuda's just not got quite got the pace, if you use them both right, they can complement each other, I reckon, quite well. So just quickly finish this one off. Would you be happy with us spending a top two pick on a corner if he was to be there or would you rather we go elsewhere with the big picks? Personally, would rather with the big picks we go we go elsewhere, but I'm teetering of the in the the mindset of look if he's there and he's the best the best there is at, on the board in terms of whatever value that they're assigning, whether it be positional or whatnot, or whether it just be simply posi- uh, pick value, then look if we take him, I'm not going to kick off. Yeah. No, that, that's absolutely fair. Um, I'll move it on a little bit now. Ryan, who's your, your third guy you've you've been watching during these pro days so far? This guy is the one I'm most excited for. This is, I think, maybe a wide receiver one that you're going to get in the third round. And it's Tamari and Terry from Florida State. This guy is just, he's brilliant. He's listed about 6'4", but he came in just under 6'3". He's got the wingspan, the arm length of a six foot six man. He ran a 444 at just over 200 pounds. So he is an athletic guy. I want you to take, I want to take you back to his 2019 season. He had games of 165 yards, 131, 156. He put 83 on Clemson. He finished that year with 1,023 yards on only 50 catches. He averaged 20 yards every catch. So what it tells me is he gets in behind. He he isn't one of these people that's going to take a pass and then he's going to make some miss. He's getting in behind people. He's taking the roof off. He's going to be a wide receiver. His career is kind of like he struggled in 2020, but Florida State did. They only played like six games, so the numbers don't look great. If you go back to 18 and 19, he was playing in maybe one of the best divisions, the best teams, and he was just lighting teams up. Even in like blowout losses, he would be a star man. Now, I don't know where he's going to go in this draft. I don't know how highly people write him, if he's going to be a second-round guy or a fourth-round guy, but he he gives me vibes, and I, I would be willing to spend a second-round pick on him. Second-round pick? Yeah, Anyone... I, I'll reach to this guy. Well, I must admit, this is one I've I've not followed as much as you have. I know they had their pro day yesterday, I believe, was it? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great guys coming out of Florida State this year, but he wasn't even mentioned on the prospects list on there. But, I mean, Matt, have you have you seen any of him? Have you seen any of um, his tape thus far? Would you agree, if so, that he's worthy of such a high pick? Uh, so I, I've gone down and I've watched the tape of the top 70 prospects and he lands at 173 on the consensus board. So that would, and the consensus board that I have is a little out of date. It's probably three weeks or so past out of date. So I need to update that and I'm sure he's rocketing up that board, but that would put him in round four comp picks. Um Obviously, he's rapid. He's got a good side to side. He's a tall guy with a good weight, with good arm length. And, you know, he's, he's got a lot of traits that you'd like. 
I don't know enough to say whether I take him or not. Second round, I think, is a massive reach. At least at where we pick in the second round. If we can trade back and get a late second, then I could be persuaded, perhaps. Maybe a top of the third if he's still there. I think top of the third would be very good value for him. Like I say, it's, it, it, we've won second round pick this year. It does make... It makes that round incredibly hard. Having to narrow it down to one player, you're going to miss out on someone. Like I say, we do really need to try trade back. We need to get try get another second. I think that's the most value. But this is my this is my favourite of my five picks. I just think he's someone that's not getting enough attention. So Ryan's Ryan's sleeper pick out this lot. Um, what was his name? Again, sorry, just for, just so people... Tamori and Terry. Tamori and Terry. Tamori and Terry, there is the name for you to go and check and see whether you agree whether a second round pick might be uh, worthwhile of him. Well, I'm sort of following you again with my next pick there. I'm going wide receiver as well, but I have gone with Cornell Powell. He is the wide receiver from Clemson, the, the oft-forgotten-about guy when it comes to that receiving line against Amari Rogers, who's the uh, you know far more uh, the, the guy who's been talked about a lot more there. But I mean, there are some issues with Cornell Powell. I'll get them out of the way to start with. He is 24 this year, so you may end up with a Kenny Galladay situation with him when he's coming into his pro deal. He will be later into his 20s, and he's also only had the one good year of production but I mean he's made nearly 900 yards this college season I mean Clemson's obviously had a really good year and he's had a great guy throwing to him in Trevor Lawrence but for me Powell's really underrated I mean he's got great he's got great size he's got good length and he's got really good overall athletic ability he's got a good change of direction his short area quickness is really good I mean he doesn't have the elite speed but he makes up for it with you know other aspects of his game which can sort of cover where you're at i mean he's been he spent five years at clemson so he's, he's been there quite some time working with some really good players he's got a really good vertical um sorry he um he gets vertical really well despite his lack of speed he's very quick off the line of scrimmage he's got varied releases that make you know, defensive backs think twice about what he's doing and that gives him the ability to create separation again, maybe not without having the speed, but, you know, he do, he finds other ways to do it there. So I think he's projected between rounds five and seven and a lot of the analysts looking at him are saying that he's a guy who is very, he can do a lot of different things on a line. If you've got a bit of a limited receiver core and you're looking for a guy who can do a little bit of everything, who can run routes, who can play in the slot, you know, I really like him. He had a really good pro day. Him and Amari Rogers both did. So I think if you're looking, if you're looking for guys really late on, especially if we can pick up some picks there, he's one I'd certainly be going for. And given his age, he's more, he's closer to starting, I reckon, closer to making an impact than Amari Rogers is. But I don't know. Um, what 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 do you sort of think with that one, Rye? Have you have you looked at him, or is it more Amari Rogers who's caught your eye? I did like look at Powell. He looks like. He was like a little muscle shark. Like he's right compact. He looks like he's explosive. He's he's really well built, a top heavy guy. So I feel like he's one of them people that is primed to. He looks like he's tough. He's gonna fight for balls. I I, I do like the look of him. He did work out well. I feel like anyone that goes to Clemson 
uh, manages to become a factor in a pro offense like that, I think they've got tools to offer in the NFL. Even if they don't have the size, he doesn't have, he looks like he is built for the slot. And I think a slot receiver is something that we will be looking at because currently Thiefus is going to need that challenge. He needs someone to uh, push him. So I think he, I like that pick, yeah. Aaron, have you, were you able to watch any of Clemson this year? I know you've been watching a little bit of the college football. Have you seen any any of Rogers or any of um, Colal or? Um, I think I've seen a bit of each, uh, particularly over the last the week that I was really looking at wide receivers as well in college. I know I I had kind of a top ten receivers that I wanted to look at, and I don't think either of them fit within that, but. There were a few. Okay, I had a look at a couple of wild card wide receivers that I like, and believe it or not, Tamari and Terry was in there as one of the wild card ones as well, and so was Cornell Powell. Amari Rogers, I not looked at enough for me to really be able to put something down, but Cornell Powell, I like him. Um, I feel like he'd fit in any scheme. Got good route running. Um, but I think he's he's just he's very developmental as a as a wide receiver, and given given the right tools, that development could be made to be quite quite easy, and he could fit into whatever scheme that we put in. And I think it helps that while we don't have a scheme, having someone like Carnell Powell might actually be a bit of a bonus to us because he'll be quite expandable due to the fact, like I say, he he isn't set in a scheme and he will be able to fit and slot into whatever scheme you put him in. So that's going to help a lot. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's very, he, he for me is just a very developmental guy and someone who's going to take quite a bit of working with to get him right and to get him to, to really reach the levels that he's capable of compared to some of these guys that will be coming in before him who, you know, we all know exactly what they're capable of. We know pretty much exactly probably how they're going to spend their careers and what they're going to be good at, where they're going to really work or not. I feel like this guy, it, it, as a wild card, it, it is maybe worth a shot, worth a shot at... at, at getting up for him in the in the late second um potentially i think i think um yeah that's that's what you take take a little risk with with the late round flyers they are developmental but i think maybe for the value we'll get a bit later on is adjustment to scheme being able to do multiple things gives us good value there matt the clemson receivers particularly powell you've have many thoughts on them at all so I believe that uh, Rogers is is the better wide receiver, but I think Powell's the one more likely to be in Detroit next year. And I think he he lands right at home at the slot. It with our fifth round pick, probably. I think he's going to fall that far. But the thing with him is, given his age, like you said, he's he's twenty four years old. He doesn't do anything really really well, but he does everything quite well, and. I, I don't think he's going to do a lot of developing on. I think he's going to stay at this level for a while, but because he's been in a pro offense for a while, 
I think he's going to perform and perform quite well. I think he's the next Danny Amendola. He's not going to you know, destroy anyone by himself, but he's going to come in and be reliable. I, I contrast him to Jalen Darden, who I am such a fan of who's electric, got twitch. He's going to excite you every time he's caught the ball. But he is raw. He's a, a quarterback turn wide receiver who's still learning his craft. Cornell Powell is going to come in and he's going to perform from day one. And I think at, at round five, he's an absolute steal. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you entirely there. I think there's a lot of value to be had with him and the scheme he can fit there but Darden would have been in this as well but he does his pro day on Thursday I think so he didn't apply for this one but yeah there's a lot of great receivers a lot of great slot guys a lot of value in this draft um right I believe we've got two each left Ryan who's next on your prospect list my next one is this is another sleeper pick for me this guy doesn't necessarily fit the Lions but this is a guy I like and I think is someone that people should watch out for now, if anyone recognises the name Rakeem Boyd, this is a guy that we've all seen in the last chance you. He he dropped out to Juco to went independence to try and get back into football, and he did so successfully. Now he is he's a well-built guy. He's, he's six foot. Now, this is a guy I've picked who's not worked out very well. He's pretty sluggish. His hands are less than nine inches, which they say is is relatively small. He ran like a four six. But at Arkansas for two years in a team that perennially lost games and suffered quite a lot of blowouts, he showed that he can carry the load and he can do it fairly well. He touched the ball 130 times and 180 times in back-to-back years and managed to average six yards a carry. So even in offence that struggled, he didn't let that get down. He still ran hard. He still ran tough. And I think at the next level, he's going to be able to offer something to someone. Now, we've got Jamal Williams now, so our running back room is fairly thick. But I think as a, I don't know, five, six, seven, it could even well go undrafted. But I feel like his running style and his build will translate to him at the next level. A lot of people won't be looking at him. He's not necessarily that popular, I don't think. But he worked out on his pro day with Felipe Franks, the quarterback, so there will have been quite a few people there, I imagine, and someone will have had eyes on him. Yeah, I think you know me and you chat a lot about the um, the prospects on what's happened. We've mentioned that there's so many great running backs in the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds. A lot of good prospects there, and it's it is a bit of an odd one what to do with our running back room. You think that maybe we're all settled there at running back one, two, and three, but I mean it, it's tempting, isn't it? Like you said with this guy, it's so tempting to get one of these guys who's um, you know got a versatile game to him and can provide a bit extra there. Aaron, I noticed you were you were nodding. Did you see the um, did you see the thing in question that uh, Ryan mentioned? Last chance, you. I absolutely have, and this is not uh, <laughs> related to football, but I've also just watched the first series of Last Chance You Basketball, which is fantastic as well. Um, so I'd, I'd suggest anyone who likes Last Chance You to go check that one out as well. Um, yeah, I, I remember Ricky Boyd from, from Last Chance You. I've not had much chance again. Um, I'm going to be very honest and just say I've not had much chance to check up on his college, um, mainly because 
I've only just recently watched all the last chance used throughout lock. It was one of my things for lockdown. Um, so, you know, and then as the season got on, I realized as much as the, my intentions were great, I've not been able to watch as much college football as I wanted to. So I've not really kept up much on him, but look, I'm just going to say that I absolutely loved him in last chance you. And it, do you know what, if I'll always be rooting for, for the guys on there. So, you know, if he makes it and he's on the on the Lions, even better. I mean, I mean to be fair, yeah. I, these are guys who are going late on, so if you've not seen tape of some of them, that's probably perfectly understandable there. Um, Matt, have you seen anything to do with him? Again, we mentioned there's quite a lot of guys, these running back hybrid types in these back ends who look really good value. Have you had a chance to see him? I haven't watched him, but actually, as we've been talking, I've just been looking at this website, bestofarkansasport.com, a, a report about what happened through his 2020 season, how it went downhill after being electric in the previous seasons before. And he was a, a captain of the team. He could have opted out. He decided not to. And then he accepted being a, a captain of the team and then quit with 20% of the season to go. If I'm taking a la- round flyer on someone, it's because... If nothing else, they've got character upside. That's character downside. Like if you're if you are a bog standard player who believes they have more to gain and they're not part of that inner circle of of, of that team, then fine, quit. That's okay. But if you're a captain of the team, you do not bail. So I, I he may well succeed in the NFL, but I don't want him here. Yeah, that's, that, that, yeah. that's how I feel. Sorry, I know it's blunt, but I don't want him here. No, no. Blunt is good. I think you might be right. That may sort of clash against the culture that we're trying to uh, that we're trying to create here. But um, not only uh, that, he managed six on the bench. Six. That is the north percentile of running backs. We we've discussed right, yeah. his size. Right when you've got, he's got very short arms for someone that's nearly six foot. So he's that 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 is an issue. Like you say, he has not got that uh, short arms. Is less far to bench. Yeah. He's struggled. That's why I said he had a bad workout. But I suppose everything from like the waist down is well. But all I will say is, you know, <laughs> look, I, no disrespect meant to any of us apart from may, maybe Ryan. I would, I would probably bet on Ryan with this. No, because the way you laugh then. No, I don't mean this is any disrespect to Ryan. And in fact, actually, I believe Ryan would probably be better more than we can bench. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean that's maybe true but I'm not slating him compared to a normal fucking human being and I reckon I could bench more than six I do but anyway <laughs> we'll see <laughs> yeah no no we'll, we'll move it on from that yeah. one now probably so yeah so my next guy and this is I think this is the only one out of the ten here we're going to talk about quarterback now and the quarterback who has taken my eye during this process Davis Mills the quarterback from Stanford. Now, this is a guy who initially, when he was a younger, he had a hell of a career lined up for him. He's a former five-star recruit. He was ranked as the top pro-star quarterback in his class. Now, he's a guy who suffered. He suffered an injury. Over the, um, it was a knee injury he suffered during a state championship game, which kept him down for quite some time. I know at the time there was an offer on the table from Alabama for him to go there. And you know what Alabama are like with their quarterbacks, their last two, Tua 
and Mac Jones, who's going to go into this one. This is the kind of guy, you know, this is kind of the company he was keeping to get an offer from them. I believe he even turned it down in the end to go to um, Stamford, where he is. But his pro day, he, he looked amazing. He completed 50 of the 54 passes that he, um, that he was given to do. His 40 times, 466, 458. Not bad for a quarterback, but I mean, PFF talked very well about him here. He's, they say he's a physically gifted quarterback. He's got a next level arm. He's got good size. He throws all the passes he needs with speed, with accuracy, spreads it around to all his targets, and he can quickly identify the passes. He doesn't have to sit in the pocket and wait. He's a guy who can identify his pass and get it out of his hands, and he looks really good whilst he does it. He's got you know, he's got an expanded arsenal. He can do the check down targets. He can throw long darts and he can also get it into the tight spots as well when he wants to. He's patient. He can buy time. He's got a little bit of mobility there. And the most important thing, he doesn't try to force the issue. He doesn't panic. Now, obviously, when you're talking about a guy, he's predicted to go anywhere between the third and the fifth it's it's really hard to sort of put a tag on him at the minute because he was nowhere on this list and he's just been slowly going up as the years progressed and then his pro day was really good and now i'm not sure exactly where he's going to be that there are a few problems with him he is a bit late pulling the trigger sometimes the receivers are having to wait he's not got that you know elite you know, he's not elite in that aspect, which you need in the NFL. You can't have your receivers waiting around for passes because defences will, you know, adjust to that. He's a little erratic sometimes with his accuracy and his pass placement. But, I mean, again, he's an unpolished prospect and he doesn't have the biggest body of work going on at college level. So there's only two two seasons there where he's put up, you know, numbers and both seasons have been below 2,000. So for me, this is a guy who... I mean, I don't want us to take a quarterback early. I've been very, very vocal about going nowhere near Trey Lance, about not going near Justin Fields. If he slips down there, I think we need to trade back a little bit and get some more draft capital. But if you look on the flip side of this and go, right, well, I don't want someone who's going to challenge Goff straight away. If you look at a guy like Davis Mills, he's a, you know, it's a small school guy, but he's got a lot of positive traits. And if you want to sit him in, for a couple of years, work on his problems, adjust him to NFL speed, get him in there, and you want to do it the other way around. Get your developmental guy. And I mean, if Goff works, you can trade Mills on. If he doesn't, then you know we've got a developmental guy who you're going to get really good value with, especially if he drops to round four or five. Um, as a, Ryan, have you looked a lot at Davis Wells? Have you been looking at quarterback, or is that not really somewhere you want to go later on? I've not, no, I would go later on. But all I will say is I know Stanford, even in a weaker Pac-12, run a very, very pro offense. Their offense is one of the most likely that you'll see towards the NFL. Davis Mills, he looks like your prototype. He's got the strong arm. He's got the good frame. He looks like maybe Stafford. He looks like he's willing to stay in the pocket. He's willing to step up when he feels pressure. And he's willing to... Uh, release the ball so I feel like I've seen him climbing up boards I feel something like someone like Pittsburgh should be interested in him it could be like an ex Ben Roethlisberger like footwork and the lower half of his body is where he'll need the work but when you've got brains and a good top half of a good arm like someone is going to take him and I don't I think he's going to be out of range for us 
I think he's going to go before we're even thinking about quarterback. So he won't be there before round four. I don't think he'll be gone. If he was on the board on round four, would he be a pick you might make for us, though? I mean, I think I would. Yeah. I think from one, rounds one to a three, we've got needs we need to address. From rounds four onwards, I'm looking at value. If he's there, then let's just say he's the next heir apparent to Andrew Luck. I'm going to pull the trigger and take him, maybe. Davis Mills, Matt. Quarterback, have you seen much there? Would you Would you agree with me maybe that that might be the way to go if we don't want to go early, get a guy like him who's got all the talent but just needs to refine it in the later rounds? Yeah, I would actually. Um, he's not a guy that I've seen a lot of, but I'm just watching his highlights now and, and what it screams to me is that he is an extremely intelligent guy. He makes terrific throws, nice spiral, good power, recognises things quite quickly. When he's at his best, he's, he's throwing the ball quite fast, actually, even though one of his downsizes that he can hold on to the ball a little bit so he needs a little bit of coaching as you mentioned but he's definitely someone who's got a lot of upside the thing with a lot of the the mid-level second to fourth round quarterbacks that you always hear is you don't want to draft them because they're never going to be your franchise answer but the problem with that is that a lot of them have shown high mid to high level ability at college over a reasonable amount of reps but he is someone who could have been drafted much higher had he had a huge amount of college experience, but he doesn't. So you're drafting him with the knowledge that he could be that good. He just needs time, which is a different, a different sort of thing to drafting someone else at that sort of position. I think he provides a bit more upside than some of the other quarterbacks in the class at that sort of level. Yeah, I fully agree with you there. And I mean, for me, it's you look at, you know, Alabama put an offer in for him, and these that you know they're a group who love their quarterbacks. But you've got to be high level to get there. And I think you know the knee injury. I think circumstances pushed him down a bit, but I do think there is great value to be had there, and especially for us. You know, I think you're with me. You want to give Goff a chance here, and I think if we're going to go with someone like Mills, who might you know is a developmental guy but could be good, and we do it that way instead and give Goff a chance you know, to work here. And if not, we've got a good developmental guy in the, um, you know, in the wings waiting rather than someone who's going to come in and challenge him straight away. I think the thing for me is that I don't really want to draft him with any of the picks that we currently have. He becomes a prime candidate to try and draft if we can execute a trade down for another pick in this draft. We've got so many needs that I'm happy running with Blau as that quarterback three. But if we can pick him another pick, I'm happy to go that way. Yeah, I think I'd agree there. I think, yeah, we run with the quarterback room this year, but I don't know. I just, I watched his pro day, I watched his throws. I think the summit there that makes me want to... Very, very pretty, yeah. makes me want to part with a pick for him. But, you know, we'll see going forward. I think there's going to be a lot of interest in him. Um, mm. All right, we'll move it on because we've been going on some time. Ryan, your your last guy who's who's caught your eyes so far. This is my last pick, and I think this is a... I'm going to call this guy a luxury pick. Now, this player is... I've, I've not... I've been looking at him last few days. I've not heard of him. He's Darius Stills, a defensive lineman for West Virginia. Now, to say I've not heard of him, he actually won Big 12's Defensive Lineman of the Year. So he's been recognised in his own conference, but he only comes in at six foot one. So he's been told he's going to primarily play on the edge at the next level, which makes him more 
suitable for Lions because we've just bolstered the interior, keeping Nick and signing Michael. So off the edge actually could be something that would be more intriguing. Now, he only racked up 10 career sacks, but he won the best defensive lineman in the conference, So, which tells me he plays a lot bigger than his size and his numbers, which tells me he's got, I know for one, he's got very, he's got elite speed. He's not a guy that gets muddled up. He doesn't let guys get hands in his chest who will keep him upright. He will come off the edge quick and hard, which is something that I appreciate in a, an edge rusher. Now, he had a real, he had a pretty good pro day. He said he's been waiting all his life for this. So I'll just get the numbers. He ran a 492 40-yard dash, which for a defensive end isn't that bad. Logged to 721 corn time and 23 bench reps. So the All-American, he has shown he's got average size and speed across the board. I believe that he is someone that is his stock is climbing. The Big 12 isn't the best conference, but he is looking at someone that's going to be a second to third round pick. So unless we get trade back and get an extra pick, I don't think he's going to be a consideration for the Lions. But I think he is a bit of a luxury and someone that you could use an extra pick on or a compensation round pick. Yeah. Um, I'll bring you in at this point, Aaron, if you're there. You, you mentioned Brock is there, Ryan. Do you think, and I'll aim this at you, Aaron, now that we've got a guy like Michael Brockers in who's going to provide so much experience to this defence and leadership qualities, do you think now that getting in younger defensive tackles in the draft, this is the ideal time to do it while they've got a mentor like him to, to learn off? Do you reckon it's become a bit more of a high priority for building for the future? I don't know. It's a, that's a really good question, to be fair, Ant. Um Yes, there's, there's always the benefits of bringing in young people when you've got someone like that there. Always benefits. But I think for me, it's ugh, it's not necessarily... It's just not enough of a priority. I think for us right now, um, please correct me if I'm wrong, and I should know this by now, considering we talked about it before, but he's on a two-year deal, three-year deal, isn't he? Three. Three. So now, even yeah. if even if this year we don't bring someone in, we've got two more years of him to be able to use that. Not saying obviously don't do it, and he's like I say, there's always those benefits. But for me, it's not a priority. Um, for me, the priority right now is, you know, he can be helping. Because we've already got a couple of young guys in there. We've got the likes of Penasina in there to be helped by him, and I want to see. Personally, from Brockers, just this year, look, we've had the, the, those questions have been correctly raised about Romeo Aquara and whether it's a what he was a one season wonder, and can he continue to repeat his performances? Well, you know, if, if Brockers, I we, we know what Brockers has brought to the Rams, but if Brockers continue to perform like that, then there's no reason that okay, maybe not quite Aaron Donald numbers. But I'd like to see how he supports Romeo Aquara in continuing to let Romeo Aquara do what he's done this year. That that'd be where I want to see Brockers being used this year. To be quite honest with you, I just worry that if, God forbid, touch wood, if Flowers or Aquara gets hurt again, and let's say we don't want to put Julian primarily as an edge rusher, I do want a bit of outside depth a bit of speed, a bit of pass or ball rush. 
But I, so I understand it's not a priority area right now with the personnel we've got. Edge Edge would be nice. And I think, obviously, we're talking about interior. So Edge would be really nice again. Um, but I reckon, though, like you say, if someone like him is going to go play out on, say, anywhere from, they're going to have him playing from the far technique to the nine. Um, but if he has experience playing below that up to say the one tech or even I don't know how I don't know about his experience as a genuine nose tackle um compared to around you know the, the between say one and four tech but if he at least has experience and there is a moment in the game where we might need a, an extra um and we might play with three defensive interior linemen if we need him to play on the inside shoulders of some of those guys and essentially play um, as an edge, but maybe even a bit more like an interior lineman. If he's got that experience and even if he's not big enough to, to do it consistently, if he can have those 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 shots every now and again, I, I don't see how that can hurt us, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 it does. Um, Matt, I'll pass that question over to you in relation to, you know, now Brock is, is here. Would you like to maybe see us go after a few defensive linemen to learn from him while he's here? And in particular, you know, the guy that Ryan mentioned, um, Darius Stills. It's a tough one. Obviously, we've got Penasini sixth round pick 2020. We don't really have much depth elsewhere that are going to be here post 2021. Hand is going to be a free agent, probably won't get re-signed. Um, there's a couple of other guys who are rotational players who don't have a long-term future here. So it's a room I'm not bothered about this year, but it's a room I'm definitely bothered about for 2022. Does that mean we get a head start on it now or do we address our needs now? It's a tough one. In terms of stills, he played a third of his snaps at nose tackle in his college career, which is obviously out of position for someone who's only 285 pounds. He's extremely undersized for being on the line he's too heavy to be a linebacker he doesn't really look like he has a natural position he's just one of those guys that looks like he's he's going to be good at some sport but that the nfl doesn't really have a natural position for him one thing on the the pff write-up that they talk about with him is there's absolutely no quit in his game at nose tackle he was still really trying to get away from those centers and guards trying to shed their block and that's really encouraging. As a, as a late round pick, just to see what you can make of him, I'm not against it. Um, I think one of the big things for me this year, and I just, it just, just kind of as a little bit of a lead on from that, watching so much college tape, and unfortunately, you know, I, I don't like watching highlights anymore because highlights can be very misleading, no matter how good those highlights are. One thing that I'm, I'm going to consistently, you're probably going to consistently hear from me over the, ne the this particular, maybe even six weeks draft period is yes, but only so many players in college are actual NFL caliber. And that's a minority of those players. And it might work for that. My worry is always just because they're gonna. It might work from in college, or just because that no quit attitude is gonna work from in college. That just 
doesn't mean it's going to work in the NFL. There are, you know, with, with all due respect to the lad, look, I, I, imagine your no-quit attitude is going to be lovely, but against Frank Ragnow, it's you're not it, as lovely as that no-quit attitude's going to be. And as much as you can be all like that little bouncy puppy and really excited and always looking to, you know, be, be excited, but it's just not going to work for you in any guard or centre. If you're coming up that middle, is worth their weight in gold, even not even worth that. That is just not going to be phased by a no-quit attitude. They're going to eat you up for breakfast. And I think that's a very, it's a very fair point. And I don't know enough about him. So what I think there, there are some things on what I'm going off that are quite general. Um, is basically that if there is no natural position for him, he might be able to be utilised here and there. But I think what we need now in those positions is as nice as it would be to have him as an edge who could play a little bit on on the far tech. It's not what we need. What we need is someone who's going to be a solid person in their position, not someone who's going to contribute. Apart yeah. from on the apart from the on the offensive line, maybe, and then with a very late pick. No, no, that's that, that's that's very fair. I think. Sorry, Ryan. I agree with Matthew that it's not really a need this year, but next year I believe we lose Austin Bryant and Deshaun Hand, don't we? Don't they both hit? They're not coming back because they've not shown anything. So the room next year will need bodies, but this year, and it's, where they're projecting him, they think he could be like a third rounder. I don't know where they've made that projection. But it won't be for us. It's exactly the same argument as the right-hand side of the line. Ant has made his case for Tyrell Cresby as the long-term right tackle. But he is a free agent after the season to come. And there is many realities, I would argue more than 50% of the realities, that see Crosby not on the Lions after 2021. I think that is the most likely scenario because we're going to be paying two-fifths of that line very, very well. And do we want to pay another one? You've got to spread your big investments across the team. And if Crosby pays really, really well, are we going to want to pay him? If he plays not so well, are we going to want to keep him? If he plays middling well, are we going to want to give him a veteran deal? Harlepiluvati Vitae, I believe, unless he has an outstanding season, given the amount he's being paid, will want to cut him after the season to come. That leaves the right-hand side of the line in the most likely scenario. I'm not saying it's the scenario I want. I want Crosby to ball out this year and us to give him a very team-friendly deal because he loves playing here. But that may not be the scenario. That leaves the right-hand side of the line for 2022 looking quite bare. Our offensive depth on the line at the moment is quite bare. So it's not a need right now. But especially at the offensive tackle and offensive guard positions, they take maybe a year to bet in. So that's another position, along with, as you say, defensive tackle, that I would actually be looking at this year, drafting in advance for 2022 starters. Yeah, all fair points. And it's, you know, you mentioned defensive tackle there. I think it's good that we're going to end this segment with a defensive tackle. You were waxing lyrically about him. 
before we started, I've been watching him very close, and I'm sure lots have that with. That is Milton Williams, the defensive tackle from Louisiana Tech, who currently he's projected to maybe go in the second, maybe go in the third. He's another guy who's hard to get a read on at the minute because of how quick he has been coming up the board. But the one thing that stands out immediately for me with his pro day, there were 60 scouts at Louisiana Tech for that pro day. And let me tell you, Milton Williams was the main guy there. There was only two others who were really getting looked at. But when you've got 60 scouts wanting to go there to look at a defensive tackle, that says a lot in itself. And you look at some of his results from that. So he's he's 284 pounds altogether. He got a 38 and a half inch vertical. Um, 10 foot in the broad jump, 34 reps on the bench, which is fine. His 40 was 4.62 seconds. Now for his position, they average over five seconds at 5.06. So again, nearly a half second faster. He's got speed. And his three cone was 6.93 seconds. And to put that into context, there were only five guys, I believe, in the draft last year, defensive backs at that position who did better than that. He's in some good company. He started every game of the last two seasons at Louisiana Tech. He's smooth. He never goes off his feet. He plays with really good pad level. He alters his angle of attack depending on the play that's there. He's really strong. He stands up to blockers and he's really good against the run. And if teams try and get outside, he's fast getting to the flanks as well. He's really athletic. He's really agile. The only couple of bits where he wants to maybe improve on a little bit of playing strength he needs to get a bit more of and he's not the most elite guy when it comes to quickness off the line but you just have to take one look at his tape and there is a lot to love there I mean Matt I'll start with you defensive tackle you've waxed lyrically about him is he worth a second if he's there at a second do we maybe consider that if we get an extra pick a bit later on or are you happy in the third with him or would you take oh, him at all if we can get an extra pick in that second, I would be taking him. Um, it, those stats from the pro day are incredible. So on my big board at the moment, which needs updating, as I've said, but he was on average the 258th pick. So that is near undrafted territory. Having said that, the vertical was in the 99th percentile, the broad 97th, the bench 91st, the 40-yard dash 99th, the shuttle 97th, three-cone 100th percentile. This guy is an athletic freak at the position. However, he is undersized to 6'3". He is underweight at 284. He needs to bulk up, but athletically, he's got it. I've been watching the highlights. He looks like someone who... And this is something that the Lions have a problem with, especially when you break through the line, you finish your tackle. If you get pressure on a guy and you do not finish a tackle, it is not worth getting the pressure because actually flushing them out and letting them free actually contributes to you losing games. But he is someone who likes to finish what he started. My biggest problem is the height and the weight. Fix the weight and we've got a man that I want to take at the top of the third I mean, if you think about pairing him with Brock as there, all of a sudden you've got some very potentially high-class defensive tackles to go there with him. And it's a place where we've really been lacking. Have you seen anything of him, Ryan? Uh, I've not seen much of him, but I'm reading his, I'm reading his numbers and his career. Like I say, the year he, uh, before he redshirted, 
nine tackles for loss, which was second on the team, which goes back to what Matthew said about he finishes tackles. When he gets into the uh, the back end, he doesn't let anyone wriggle out, which is missed tackles has been something that's plagued the Lions for years. So anyone that can get back there and finish someone like that is something that we need. He's got the agility and speed to get there, but he's also got the uh, the ability to form tackle and wrap up to finish it off. Well, like I say, all he needs is just gain a little weight, which from his build and his frame should be pretty easy on a a pro contract and a uh, a dietitian nutrition. He'll easily be able to get towards three hundred and still keep that speed. I imagine. Are you happy spending? A fairly high pick on him then? I mean, is defensive tackle one you want to go for there or if we can get him in the third, I'd be I'd be very happy. Yeah, I, th- I think that would be the dream there, maybe to get obviously we've got the second pick in there as well. But I mean, you just have to take one look at his career trajectory. It's just it's going up through the roof at the minute. And as Matt says, if he puts on some weight, then the upside there that you have with him is is huge. And if you've got a guy like Brockers in there with him to help train him, then you know, we could really have a genuine chance of getting through getting through to the quarterback, which we don't we you know, it's one of the things that we've really struggled with in the past few years. Um that sort of goes through the ten people that we've really been looking at so far. I know Ryan, you've picked up some pro days that are coming up that we might want to keep an eye on. Is there any any specifically that you're going to be keeping a close eye on and anyone in it who's who's taking your interest? Yep, I've uh, I actually made a list. So starting, well, from I think pretty much in the next two days for the next week, we have mentioned the uh, the North Texas Fighting Hawks wide receiver, uh, Jalen Durden. He will work out on the 25th. Also, that has Penn State. So... It, depending on not if they work out or not, there are multiple players like Parsons and the tight ends that opted out last year, Pat Fryermuth. He is a guy that is maybe in that second echelon of tight ends, which could go in any number of rounds, which could be a nice future pair one day. The day after that is the big one for me. We get to see BYU and Michigan. Now, BYU, I'm not bothered about Zach Wilson because unless we're planning a massive trade-up, He's out of our range. But a guy that also flourished this year was a wide receiver called Dax Milne. Now, he will be someone I think the Lions go watch. 6-6-1, but he uh, was good in the red zone and he uh, has a bit of speed to him. And then Michigan, well, as a Michigan boy, there's this quitty pie. If the Lions do trade back in the first and want to consider a defensive end, going a few days later, we've got March 29th. The highlight team for me has got to be North Carolina because we get to see the running back tandem, which I, I'm i quite high on their Carter. So those are two of the uh, running backs we've mentioned in the uh, the depth. The later round kind of guys, they're quite complementary to each other. And there's a deep threat who I think people are starting to look at. He's called Diami Brown. He's a, dy- he's a dynamic receiver, but also a great returner. Now, I know we've brought in a guy for returning, but we do need some depth. We need to work out some returners, and he has got elite speed for getting behind a defence. And then the March 30th, well, is the Alabama second pro day, the Ohio State and Texas A&M. Now, that probably is one of the highlights of the calendar. Ohio State, 
I really think the Lions and other teams will be looking at Pete Werner. He's a six foot three linebacker with good. I think he's got good coverage, sideline to sideline speed. Texas A and M. They have Kellen Mond, who did struggle in the Senior Bowl, but a lot of teams are going to be willing to take a project project die developmental quarterback. So he's someone that they could possibly look at. So that's for the next week. Those are the big teams, I think, uh, with players that we expect to be watching. Yeah, some really good days. I mean, there's, there's so many good players in this draft. I think the one I'm looking forward to is Thursday, especially the late round beats. You've got Dwayne Eskridge and Jalen Darden both performing on their pro days. And if we come with one or two of them in the later rounds, I'd be absolutely ecstatic for our wide receiver core there. Um, Matt, anyone you've got your eye on coming up in the near future or...? Mm. If you look that far yet, I haven't really looked too far in the future. We have mentioned a few before we came on. So Penn State and Western Michigan are both on the twenty fifth. So Dwayne Eskridge at Western Michigan, Penn State, Pat Frymuth, the the tight end might be there. Um, obviously, Micah Parsons, the linebacker, has been mocked to us a lot. He seems to be slipping down boards, but if he's going to try out there, I'd be interested to see what happens. Uh, Michigan, you've already mentioned, and Quitty Pie. Um, Bama are having a second pro day on the 30th, so I'd be interested to see who tries out there. Ohio State have a pro day on the 30th, and obviously they have had a terrific season, as always, so we'll see what happens there. Notre Dame on the 31st. There's a lot of bit of Wake Forest as well, actually. It's going to be interesting on the 31st. So there's some, there's some big colleges having, and uh, Florida, actually, Carl Pitts on the 31st too. There's a lot to look forward to in the next week, week and a half. Wide receivers. There's a lot of wide receivers. Because like I say, Wake Forest, you've got Sage Surratt, who's a decent body. Also, everyone kind of wants to see Kadarius Tony at Florida. He's that kind of like kooky gadget guy. You don't know what you're going to get from him. So he's a, he's a guy that maybe goes between second and fourth. You just don't know of him. He's, he's electric. He's in the Rondale Moore category, isn't he? I know. Yeah. Wait, what do you mean, no, Matt? No. No, he's not in the Rondale Moore category. He's a lot better than Rondale Moore. Um, <laughs> sorry, he is. I disagree. He, he's a lot better than Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore is very small, very well built, low centre of gravity. He's going to do terrific things between the 20s. But Tony has the ability to do it everywhere. And it's a massive difference. Tony is not just a gadget guy. He is predominantly a gadget guy, but he has the ability to do it everywhere because his physical attributes define it to be so. It, it's not something that he's shown particularly much at college, but I, I just believe more in Tony's ability to translate to the NFL better. That's, that's fair. And, you know, as me and you often have in the past, we will agree to disagree on that one. But as, as I see that we're, we're slipping over the three, three hour mark now, maybe, I think maybe we should um, bring this to a close for now. But I think what we'll do, obviously, to anyone who's listened to us, you now know sort of where the lines have been so far, some of the prospects we've seen so far. And we hope you've enjoyed that. But I think what we'll do is we'll keep an eye on the rest of the pro days and maybe do another one of these at the end because we've been able to get a hell of a lot of conversation out of it. And maybe some things may have changed. We might have signed a few more guys. So I think we've got about three weeks left of them now, I believe. And then we've just got a few weeks of draft, but we'll be getting to our draft shows by then I believe which are going to be interesting so uh, hmm. 
Yeah, I'll um, I'll pass that back over to you, Matt. Now I think we've spent a lot of time there, and we'll come back to it when the pro days have concluded and uh, and go again. That's fantastic. Thanks for that, guys. There's a lot of work gone into that. No, I appreciate your efforts. Um, so that, that's the end of this one. If you're still listening, thank you for being with us through all this time. Marek has obviously been a, a terrific laugh and that went on a lot longer than we intended. And, and just because we were enjoying it so much, I think. So that, that was really, really cool. Um, our next episode is going to be a week from now, 30th of March. I don't want to say who our guest is going to be just in case it doesn't happen, but I can tell you that I am so excited to have him on. He is one of the bright personalities of, of the Lions fandom. You may well touch me in my fandom. If you do not know what that reference is, do not read into it too much. But I, I, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Anyone want to have a, a comment before we sign off, boys? Yeah, um, as much as I want to, you know, it's great having Maracan. And, you know, it's been brilliant. But I do want to touch on next week and say that I know it's not a competition, but I'm more excited. Um, no, Whoa, the, let's not let's not annoy Marek. We want Marek to come back, you know. So no, 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 no. I'm we, more. We, we excited. all love you, Marek. Not, not. I'm more excited for this than Marek. I was very excited for Marek, but what I'm saying is, I think I'm I'm more excited for next week than anybody else is. Keep digging, keep digging. <laughs> right. Listen, uh, I, I like 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 has been mentioned already in this episode. I. I can inspire Marek to do whatever I want. That's someone I need in my life. So I want to keep Marek in my life. <laughs> right. Okay. So that is next week. We hope you will join us for that. Don't forget to add us on our socials on Facebook. The group is called Detroit Lions Fans UK One Pro Worldwide. On Twitter, RITL underscore UK. On Instagram, RITL.UK. Lots of blogs coming out recently and to come, especially about the draft on RoyalTheLionsUK.com. There is a new website launching very, very shortly. So Keep a lookout for that. Please sign up to our mailing list. You'll be alerted of any new posts that we may put up about who the Lions are targeting on April 29th and the 30th. Don't forget to subscribe to us and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You ask a question there, we will definitely get to you. It'd be fantastic. We'd really appreciate that. Just remains to me, I thank my co-hosts and, and Ryan Farden, who left office earlier on. Thank you to our special guest, Ryan McCluskey. And to Marek for being such a terrific guest. Hopefully we'll get him on again soon. But for now, let's go Lions. One pride. One pride. One pride. One pride. <laughs> <laughs>